Good afternoon, America. How is everybody doing? Good to see you all again for an early edition of the Sea Report. And uh, we are coming to you guys live on um, the foxhole.app, pill.net, as well as uh, twitch.tv. And uh, for this afternoon session, we are again coming to you live on the good old screw tube, otherwise known as Max Censorship Pro YouTube. That is definitely what we got going on today, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, we'll be with you guys for about an hour today or so. Thanks, everyone, for joining us and anyone who gets to catch today's show. And as always, we will be back at 7.30 p.m. But uh, yeah, just wanted to get a little bit ahead of some of the news items, some things to share with you guys today, some stories that have been uh, kind of uh, waiting too long on the back burner need to get out now. Know what I mean? Uh, but also, you know, we do have, it looks like another full day of news ahead of us. Got some stuff going on with Mike Lindell. Got some stuff going on with Dominion, it looks like. Uh, that should be an interesting one. Maybe we'll uh, catch that story tonight. Uh, looks like the uh, head of Dominion, or at least one of their top officials, Coomer, they finally released his deposition. That should be an interesting read from what I understand. Uh, he was pretty, um, how would you say, aggressive? Pretty um, um, non-cooperative, kind of what I hear about that entire deposition. So uh, we'll see, I guess, uh, if we can jump into that later on tonight. We will already have some stories uh, developing for tonight's report, though. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes, but uh, at any rate, uh, thanks again for joining us. If you are with us over at uh, Twitch, YouTube, or over at pill.net or the foxhole.app, uh, let's see what we got working on this afternoon so we're not too long. Uh, Abbott ends um, Biden's uh, inoculation mandate in the state of Texas. So, yeah, we definitely wanted to touch on that just a little bit before we get into the rest of today's report this afternoon. And uh, let's see here, what else we got on our header? The uh, Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigations targeting parents. We've heard about this story before. We'll take a look at it today at the C-Report. Uh, and uh, it's good to note that this has indeed been rebuked, this effort by the uh, National School Boards Association in a team with the Department of Justice. That's uh, good old Merrick Garland over there. And uh, we see that um, they're trying to turn the FBI and uh, basically all of the resources of the United States of America on parents whom are going to the school board meetings in their own communities, in their own locales, and pitching a fit over what it is that uh, the school boards are trying to do to our children, uh, what they're trying to teach our children. And um, it seems that they uh, believe that they have control over just about every portion of education that is to be given to children in public schools. They don't want parents to be able to get involved. And I guess uh, they're feeling a little threatened these days, the school boards are. So we'll take a look at that. Focusing in on critical race theory, we will also take a look at Attorney uh, General Merrick Garland's interest in CRT. Oh, you would have guessed it, ladies and gentlemen, but he definitely has an interest in CRT and uh, it getting uh, put out into the schools and the education systems around the country. 
quite uh, devastating revelation, if you ask me. Then we have an ex-CIA agent, Larry Johnson, actually an official there, kind of spilling the beans on the CIA and also on uh, the Obama administration and uh, talks a little bit about their connection to the deep state. We'll uh, look a little li- look a little bit at the CIA this afternoon before we wrap things up. So again, glad to have anyone along with us and uh, we'll jump right into it. Now, as always, President Trump leads at the Sea Report. So uh, we got a, we got one statement today. Now, uh, President Trump has already released several statements for the afternoon, uh, but we'll uh, catch up on the rest of those later on this evening at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, in the meantime, President Trump's first statement. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. All right, and it says... Uh, Not even possible to believe the lies, exaggerations, and outright fraud committed by very poorly rated morning news shows about the January 6th protest. They say whatever comes to their minds, like writing a fictional novel, the press has lost its way at a level that is not even believable. Books, likewise, are made up stories and should only be sold as fiction. These are terrible human beings that do this to our country. The 2020 election was a a fraud rife with errors, irregularities, and scandal. The radical left knows it, the media knows it, and the patriots of our country know it. Now, the USA is paying a big price. It It is very sadly going to hell. Words from President Trump there, again, backing on the entire um, J6 fraud, no telling uh, who was involved with that. No, actually, uh, I have I have a good idea. I, I'm pretty sure we all have a good idea about uh, what's going on with January 6th. And um, I, it just makes me think of that entire rally that they were trying to put on over there in uh, memory of, in protest of what happened in January 6th. I said, the people who went over there, I bet you, like they had like, what, a hundred organic people there. (laughs) It was probably mostly the parents, family, and friends of the uh, victims, the political victims, who are currently still serving time for having uh, been permitted into the Capitol. Makes no sense, but... uh, The organizers of that event, yeah, I'm willing to bet they were uh, playing for the other team. But we'll leave that there, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we'll jump into the rest of today's report. Let's talk first about uh, Governor Abbott not reserving it for the weekend and Lone Star News today. Uh, It seems that Governor Abbott has issued a ban on COVID-19 mandates. Now, uh, dang it, guys, we are live over on ScrewTube. Looks like I just screwed myself. The CV-19 inoculations, the uh, genuinely manufactured disease known as CV-19, right? Okay, well... Uh, we all know very much so that uh, Biden had laid out these executive orders, uh, signed or not, couldn't tell you, 
But uh, Governor Abbott issued just yesterday an executive order that would attempt to crack down on these inoculation mandates coming from the federal government. And uh, this time, uh, through these executive orders, it appears that Governor Abbott has banned this entire practice for the entirety of the state of Texas that would include private businesses from requiring inoculations for their employees or for their customers. Very good. We'll see, uh, we'll see what uh, ground and teeth this uh, executive order can maintain. Abbott also called the legislature to pass a law to the same effect. So very good. He's got uh, less than 10 days. We're looking at maybe, what, six or seven days left of the third special session. Will Abbott make it in time? We will find out. No, uh, he did put this onto the bill. So uh, instead, uh, well, I mean, you know, okay, that was a complaint. Not putting uh, any type of uh, word into these uh, overreaching mandates that were, uh, you know, um, televised, publicized by illegitimate Joe Biden. Well, that's good. What can I say? Because uh, after all, as uh, other things go with the Texas um, legislature special session number three, we haven't seen anything about the forensic audits just yet. Um, but according to this, uh, Abbott does also lift all COVID precautions accusing migrants of bringing COVID to Texas. It says that uh, CV Nueva inoculation requirements by government agencies, cities, counties, and school districts were already banned by a previous executive order, which is currently being fought in court by San Antonio Independent School District. The legislature also already passed into law a ban on so-called um, inoculation passports, which would allow businesses to require proof of inoculation to receive service. However, Texas at this point has not allowed private businesses to require inoculations for their own employees. This obviously is being done because of that overreaching executive order publicity stunt that Biden pulled out of his hat back at a, what, the month, a month ago now. And uh, well, we'll see where that goes, ladies and gentlemen, most definitely. Encouraging to note, encouraging to note, good afternoon, Mr. The Texan over there at pilled.net and the foxhole.app asking what you're doing on so early, Hoss. <laughs> Just catching up with some news that uh, we don't want to get away with here. Good to see you this afternoon. How you doing, Mr. Aurelius Locke? Good to see you as well. And uh, that takes us right into our next story. Oh, there she is again, Wendy Rogers. What is going on? Well, Sean Joe over there at uh, the Foxhole app thinks that uh, Wendy, Wendy Rogers just might happen to be my type. But uh, we'll keep it to professional levels this here in the afternoon. Uh, we got Wendy Rogers on the screen because we actually got um, an important message from her yesterday. Uh, came by way of her, um, uh, her mail list. Let's see what Wendy had to say. Uh, let's bring that up onto the screen. Thought it was worth sharing. We got Wendy Rogers here. It says, uh, the swamp is pushing back. They don't want to teach. Oh, you know, I'm going to expand that for you guys just a little bit so you can see it better. There we go. That's better. It says, uh, they don't want election integrity, but we are moving forward anyway. Again, she is, uh, 
Arizona Senator Wendy Rogers, she gives us first some bad news, says the rogue Arizona Secretary of State, the same socialist that George Soros funded to squeak by in her last race, is trying to ignore the laws passed by the Arizona legislature this year, ensuring our election integrity. The duly elected Arizona legislature crafts and passes election bills and the governor signs them into law. The secretary of state, however, is tasked with prescribing rules to achieve and maintain the maximum degree of correctness, impartiality, uniformity, and efficiency in implementing those laws. This is done through the elections procedure manual, but instead of crafting this uh, with impartiality to attain the maximum degree of correctness, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs seems intent on subverting state law in some instances, obfuscating in others, and as highlighted in a previous article, doing an end run a, an end run around a United States Supreme Court decision that upheld an Arizona election integrity practice. The good news is that Hobbs does not have unilateral authority to do this. She was required to submit this draft manual to Attorney General Brnovich and Governor Ducey by October 1st, but have to sign off on the draft manual for it to go into effect. Both of them have to. If they decline, we stick with the 2019 manual and Hobbs changes die. Katie Hobbs wanted to instruct county registrars to help illegals re-register to vote, stop cleaning the voter rolls, stop signature verification, and more. She is lawless, and this is the kind of behavior we need to stop. And there we go, Katie Hobbs. So that's an important note coming over from uh, Senator uh, Rogers over in Arizona. Now we know that, uh, what was it, this education, I mean, sorry, this uh, election procedures manual. Sounds like Katie Hobbs is trying to do the same thing that uh, Jocelyn Benson did in um, Michigan, trying to um, implement their own guidance over already established election laws. Now, uh, Benson did that in a memo, just like um, Attorney General Brock, Bronovit, Brockovich, I believe Brockovich was the name, over in Pennsylvania. Now, that was the uh, Secretary of State that was in office just prior to the current acting Secretary of State in Pennsylvania, and that's a uh, uh, Veronica de, de Graffenreid, I think, is the acting um, acting Secretary of State over in Pennsylvania Commonwealth at the time at this time. But both of them, you know, uh, have done that. It was a Brock Brockovich or Bron Brock Brookovich Brookvar Brookvar is the name of the former Pennsylvania Secretary of State. She uh, handed out a memo that uh, basically overwrote um, practices and procedures for signature verification and validation. Now, um, it looks it looks like Hobbs is trying to do this. She's trying to do this uh, through an update in the elections procedure manual. Uh, there was an article that came out not too long ago that talked about how a lot of what she had attempted to change uh, was, was either um, counter to what was being provided by the manual, uh, as noted here by Wendy Rogers, stop cleaning of the voter rolls, stop signature verification, uh, but also just very convoluted and uh, not quite up to standard. So I guess uh, 
I guess this is also calling attention to Granovich and also to uh, the governor's office, Governor uh, <laughs> Ducci, as they like to call him. I think that might get through the censors, right? Uh, good news from Wendy Rogers, as we shared with you all yesterday uh, in regards to the efforts for election integrity by way of canvas and also decertification. She notes here about the uh, 92 legislatures with an addition coming in. We have 21 for a total of 113 uh, legislators who have signed on to this. That's from 38 different states and uh, cannot declare the importance enough about this uh, important piece of uh, documentation, this uh, new declaration of independence, as it were, in regards to our elections. In fact, uh, there was um, a tweet I believe she had made. Oh, Disa, what is going on here? What is that all about? Let's, uh, let's try this. There we go. A statement, a tweet from Wendy Rogers, I think is extremely important and uh, kind of sums up what we're talking about in regards to the officials elected in our states that have not signed this letter. They need to sign it. Okay. Now uh, it says here, good morning, everyone. A good dictator that shows how bad your state, um, sorry, a good indicator. Boy, that was a slip of tongue. A good indicator that shows how bad your state has been taken over by communist rhinos is by how many Republicans, states, representatives, or state senators have signed our audits all 50 states letter. This letter is important because it exposes who the communists are hidden among our GOP elected officials. Those who don't sign are either a communist, bought off, scared, or ignorant, and all of these things are dangerous to the Republic, use the letter and go change your states, go change your states for the best, get rid of the communists. Get rid of the communists. Very, very strong statement there from Wendy Rogers that I uh, hope will give some perspective into the importance of getting our elected representatives to sign on to this new declaration of independence from Wendy Rogers and also the Arizona state Senate. So uh, very important guys. We only have one Texas representative who signed this. There are several other States. And again, this is 38 States only at this point in time. So uh, we got 12 other communist run States in our country. Is that what it sounds like? Um, if you guys may also remember that uh, governor's meeting that uh, Pompeo had, where he called out all of the Chinese sympathizers, nay, maybe even the Chinese representatives who currently hold office in these United States of America. Get to it, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, while we're at it, also, we have um, the Wendy Rogers uh, signatures. They need to, the petition signs to decertify the election of 2020. I think they have uh, accrued well over a million signatures. They want more. Uh, and you can get that information, of course, at action.wendyrogers.org. I'm not mistaken on that address. Let's double check it action.wendyrogers.org slash decertify. All right. Good information. Tombstone out there says we need a list of the ones that don't sign on. 
I know uh, we have a list of the 113. I don't have it handy at the moment, but uh, we'll, we'll have it present tonight at 7.30 p.m. Central Time if you guys want to uh, want to get another idea about that. That's It's important, guys. I mean, it's important, just like the uh, Pompeo communist governors. Uh, we got to figure out who our elected officials are. And this, I think, is a good way to, uh, pardon me, to tally that particularly considering that uh, election integrity should be a no-brainer. It should definitely be a no-brainer. All right, let's jump into uh, the main story, I guess you could say, for today. A lot of you guys have heard about what Attorney General Merrick Garland has been up to, colluding with the National, um, National Association of School Boards, NSBA, and uh, it's not bueno, ladies and gentlemen. It's actually caused quite a stir amongst the uh, political and parental landscape of our country. And uh, it's gotten a lot of people upset, and justly so, justly so. Now, we had um, the national organization called the NSBA, the National School Board Association. That's what it's called. Uh, Writing a letter to Merrick Garland, or actually writing a letter to President Trump, how uh, Merrick Garland got ahead of that, well, uh, we didn't get those details. Uh, but this letter was to President, I said Trump, didn't I? President-select Biden. President-select Biden, not Trump. And Trump would never be down for something like this. Uh, but uh, and apparently the National School, Board Association, the School Board Association is feeling a little threatened right now. Uh, they're feeling a little bit of the heat after all the abuse that uh, the parents of this country made their children have suffered at their hands. Uh, and I would say this goes all the way back to uh, what teaching children about uh, sex and uh, also gender studies at uh, the tender young age of pre-K all the way up through this uh, critical race theory. And also uh, with the exposure that came from Project Veritas in regards to having activists at the helm of our classrooms teaching our children how to be radical, uh, we have a we have the uh, National School Board Association fill in the heat, and they've written a letter over to uh, President-elect Biden. I guess this somehow got to the uh, Department of Justice. And now we have the Department of Justice calling on the FBI to... Uh, take care of these national threats against uh, school board members. Um, the DOJ directed school officials to report their threats, in fact, to the FBI's National Threat Operations Center and to treat it as a vital tip line and online service through which the FBI can assist school officials. Here's the letter from Merrick Garland, and uh, this is also, like I said, going out to the FBI. Oh, well, looks like that's the National School Board Association's uh, logo. Let's see, where's that letter? There it is. Okay, let's get that letter on the screen and bright and shiny for you all to see. Bam, okay, I think that's good. And uh, here we go. We're not going to go through all of this, but again, this comes from the um, desk of Merrick Garland. Mem Memorandum for the director of the FBI, the director executive office for the United States Attorney's Assistant Attorney General, also uh, criminal division of the United States Attorneys. All of these people getting this letter from Merrick Garland. So let it be known, A.G. Garland has sent out the memo 
Now it says here, the department uh, takes these incidents seriously and is committed to using its authority and resources to discourage these threats, identify them when they occur and prosecute them when appropriate in the coming days. The department will announce a series of measures designed to address the rise in criminal conduct directed toward school personnel. All right. That's because parents are standing up at school board meetings and they are not being quiet anymore about what they're disagreeing with the way public schooling is being handled. And in some instances, they are not being soft spoken. Uh, goes on to say here, coordination and partnership with local law enforcement is critical to implementing these measures for the benefit of our nation's nearly 14,000 public school districts. To this end, I am directing the Federal Bureau of Investigations, working with each United States attorney to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each federal judicial district within 30 days of the issuance of this memorandum. These meetings will facilitate the discussions for strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment, and for response. Okay, again, they are calling these uh, acts of violence, threats of violence, and other forms of intimidation and harassment. Good job, uh, Garland. Merrick Garland. Oh man. Well, um, yeah, like I said, not sitting well with the parents of America today. Again, this uh, issuance coming from a concern from the NSBA. Okay. Now uh, we've covered this before, but just to recap, here is that letter to the president select, oh, illegitimate joke who can take care of them. Six pages long, You're, we're not gonna read it all, but uh, again, some highlights. This is what they were claiming, the NSBA, on behalf of our state associations and the more than 90,000 school board members who govern our country's 14,000 local public school districts educating more than 50 million school children. NSBA appreciates your leadership to end the proliferation of CV Nueva in our communities and our school districts. We also appreciate recent discussions with the White House and U.S. Department of Education staff on many critical issues facing public schools, including threats to school officials that they are receiving. As the threats and acts of violence have become more prevalent during public school board meetings via documented threats transmitted through the U.S. Postal Service, through social media and other online platforms, and around personal, personal properties, NSBA respectfully asks that a joint collaboration among federal law enforcement agencies, state and local law enforcement, and with public school officials be undertaken to focus on these threats. NSBA specifically solicits the expertise and resources of the U.S. Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigations, U.S. Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Secret Service, and its National Threat Assessment Center regarding the level of risk to public school children, educators, board members, and facilities and campuses. We also request the assistance of the United States Postal Inspection Service to intervene against threatening letters and cyberbullying attacks that have been transmitted to students, school board members, district administrators, and other educators. As such, NSBA requests a joint expedited review by the U.S. Department of Justice, Education, and Homeland Security, 
along with appropriate training, coordination, investigation, and enforcement mechanisms from the FBI, including any technical assistance necessary from and state and local coordination with its National Security Branch and Counterterrorism Division, as well as any other federal agency with relevant jurisdictional authority and oversight. Additionally, NSBA requests that such review examine appropriate enforceable actions against these crimes and acts of violence under the Gun-Free School Zones Act, the Patriot Act in regards to domestic terrorism, the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, the Violent Interference with Federally Protected Rights Statute, the Conspiracy Against Rights Statute, an executive order to enforce all applicable laws for the protection of students and public school district personnel and any related measure as the threat grows and news of extremist hate organizations showing up at school board meetings is being reported. This is a critical time for a proactive approach to deal with this difficult issue. Very interesting, guys. Now, I read all that, obviously not the six pages, but that in particular, because uh, this theme of uh, government overreach coming into our lives and uh, affecting us at our local community level, guys, this theme is, uh, is overreaching. Now, uh, can you imagine if the NSBA had been able to get away with this? Now they're gonna go around, right? Local and community um, law or preference in order to ensure that the families cannot get, um, get out from underneath federal watch, federal overreach. Okay, the school boards are trying to do this. Now, the timing of it is uh, interesting had uh, had the deep state perhaps had a little bit more time, maybe they could have gotten away with this. And the letter of this, uh, the words of this letter, ladies and gentlemen, calling out all of those specific United States federal agencies, using all of those laws and terms and acts and executive orders, they were definitely uh, planning for this to be accepted. They, they thought this was enough, but this is overreach far quick, far too soon. Clearly it's far too soon. Uh, we have not seen anywhere near what these people are calling for a defense. We are seeing angry parents and we're seeing angry parents get a lot of news coverage. And I think perhaps that is what they are a little bit more afraid here. But uh, this, this letter is just almost so cartoonish. There's no way it could have gone through. And uh, particularly after what we've learned about uh, A.G. Merrick Garland's involvement with uh, critical race theory and its development in schools across America, very much so involved A.G. Garland is. So, uh, yes, we have the parents standing up. We have the parents getting angry. And like I said, justly so. Now, conservative commentators um, fear that the DOJ has directed the FBI to silence parents protesting against critical race theory, I would say amongst conservative commentators, that's probably far more accurate than the measures and uh, the threats that are being espoused by the NSBA. Parents are mad about critical race theory. Parents are mad about uh, CV Jesse Nueva measures, mandates, and uh, other things I'm sure that they have been paying attention to, if not silently. Uh, let's take a look here at uh, what uh, Laura Trump has to say. 
Here we go. We got it on. We got her on one of the uh, one of the enemy networks, faux news. And uh, let's pull that up real quick. We'll just take a quick listen to uh, Laura Trump here. All right, away we go, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Biden's Department of Justice has a lot of explaining to do after tapping the FBI to look into threats against school staffers as critics say they are weaponizing the FBI against protesting parents. They have the right to express their views. Is it beneficial for the attorney general to label them as domestic terrorists? So it's free speech for teachers that want to track parents, but it's not free speech for parents that want to show up and make their displeasure known. Fox News contributor Laura Trump is here to react to this. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. And I just want to first say congratulations to Fox News on 25 years. I know we have a tight segment. Um, I'm so honored to be part of the Fox News family. Without Fox, so many Americans would not be as informed as they are because we report news here that nobody else will even touch. That's there right. We bring the news to the to middle America, the folks whose voices were not heard before. And we're grateful be, to be here. Uh, this is an example in this story. Yeah, true. Uh, other yes. channels are mocking the fact that we think this is a big deal, mocking the fact that parents get up and want to get, uh, get talk about the curriculum and what their kids are learning. So that's why when they turn around to the DOJ tells the FBI, uh, tr- start examining some of these parents. Uh, let's tell you, do some background checks. Uh, that is a brushback pitch for other parents to get up in front of their board of educators. Yeah, it's a really scary place to find ourselves in in America. That you, it, you guys said it leading into this segment, I think. This is the weaponization of the judicial system against Americans and, and completely unjustly. Um, Americans and particularly parents are absolutely fed up right now with what they see happening to our children in schools. They're fed up with the mask mandates. They're fed up with the critical race theory, with the indoctrination of our children to hate our country, to hate one another. They're fed up with, in some places, vaccine mandates for their children to even be able to attend school. And it seems like, guys, there is zero focus on actually making sure that our children are proficient in reading, in math, and things that can further their future. Um, But what you heard from from the the Justice Department there is that they don't care what you have to say. They are happy to indoctrinate our children. They are happy to tell parents that they are domestic terrorists for taking an interest in our children's education and our most precious commodity, the children of America, where were these people last summer when cops were being assaulted? If you want to go after people, how about cops that were murdered? How about complete and entire cities that were destroyed? Those are the domestic terrorists, not parents who want to make sure that their children are receiving an education that they agree with. It seems completely normal to think that parents would want to do that. And here's the thing is it cuts across both parties because there are Democrats and Republicans and independents, I'll make it all three parties, uh, who show up at those uh, school board meetings not happy with how things are going right now in the country. That's exactly right. Thank you, Laura. Good to see you this morning. All right, Laura, get your head out of your tuchus. Okay. But yeah, very uh, true there. I mean, uh, we're we're facing uh, a, a total indoctrination of children for something that's totally un-American and also uh, also very destructive. 
very destructive. And it seems that the uh, school boards are, um, you know, they're trying to limit the amount of participation uh, that parents can have in regards to what goes on in their ch child's educational career, educational life. Um, they want to limit the public nature of school board meetings because of this influx of concerned parents. And, um, you know, they want to be able to teach harmful things to our children to, uh, you know, just totally mess with their brain and totally mess with their personal development. And so that's why they're firing back now. Uh, several parents and including organizations and including school boards around America, individual school boards in communities in states have pushed back against this National School Board Association uh, a decree, uh, basically, since they're having a uh, illegitimate Joe sick his uh, guard dog, A.G. Garland, on the parents of America. Uh, one, such, um, one such organization is Parents Defending Education. Now, the Parents Defending Education organization has over 427,000 members, several of them being parent organizations themselves, and has responded to that release by the NSBA with a joint letter from all organizations involved to the NSBA. And uh, it's written on behalf of its members and it made clear that the NSBA's claims of hate and terrorism were shameful. And uh, that is a thinly veiled threat intended to intimidate into silence and submission the very constituents that the members are supposed to be representing uh, here again, ladies and gentlemen, is the letter. Now, uh, there are all the organizations that are tied into the NSBA, uh, I'm sorry, into the uh, Parents Defending Education organization. That's some of them there. A real quick spin at uh, some of the phrasing here. Uh, it says, in that letter, you requested federal um, government investigate, intercept, and prevent the current threats and acts of violence against our public school officials through existing statutes, executive authority, interagency, and intergovernmental task force, and other extraordinary measures, and that the government leverage the expertise and resources of the U.S. Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigations, U.S. Department of Homeland Security, and U.S. Secret Service, and its National Threat Center, NSBA cites a tiny number of minor incidents in order to insinuate that parents who are criticizing and protesting the decisions of school boards are engaging in or may be engaging in domestic terrorism and hate crimes. Your letter to President-Select Biden is a thinly veiled threat intended to intimidate into silence and submission the very constituents that your members ostensibly represent Citizens are angry that school boards and school officials around the country are restricting access to public meetings, limiting public comment, and in some cases conducting business via text messages in violation of state open meetings laws. They are angry that schools are charging them thousands of dollars in public records and requests to view curriculum and training materials that impact their children and that should be open to the public by default. They are angry that pandemic-related learning losses have compounded the already low reading, writing, and math proficiency rates in America's schools. They are angry that rather than focusing on declining student achievement, 
larger numbers of districts have chosen to fund, often with hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayer money, social justice and diversity, equity, and inclusion programs with finite resources. Your members refuse to listen to these concerns, and your association has chosen to smear their constituents rather than engage with them in good faith. It is appalling that you would choose to threaten your fellow Americans for having the courage to hold you accountable for your failures. Can I get a mic drop, ladies and gentlemen? What a way to put the NSBA in their place. That is a woo. That was a good one right there. Mic drop, boom, goes out against the NSBA. Now, um, the NSBA, again, this is what? A national organization, a national association. Again, who funds these yahoos? Probably the same people that funds the National Association of Secretaries of State and the National Association of Election Board Committees or something to that effect on that uh, second one there. But again, the parents are not going to take this lying down. There we go. We, the parents, stand up is what that uh, sign says there. I think this is from Fairfax, Virginia. And a good place to be at this point in time, we have a, a actually a good example of a, of a parent from Fairfax County, Virginia, who's been standing up repeatedly against the school boards there for everything that they're trying to do everything that they're trying to teach. Uh, that is this woman here. Her name is Asra Nomani. Asra Nomani. She has been very active against the school boards in her local area. In fact, uh, she actually dug this up about uh, A.G. Merrick Garland. I think it's worth listening to, and it might explain why um, they moved so quickly on this. Why did the school boards, why did uh, the FBI and the DOJ, why did they pounce on this so quickly? Aside from the fact that their timeline is totally screwed up and uh, they're needing to move things forward quicker than they normally would have, thereby allowing everyone to see what their possible motives and intentions are. Here's a quick video from Asra Nomi, the mother, Nomani, the no mother from uh, the mother from uh, Fairfax County, Virginia, and what she had to say about this entire DOJ FBI threat against parents, and also spill some beans on Merrick Garland's true intentions. Check it out. As business interests are now aligned with political interests, and this is what we have today. A memorandum from U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, and in it, he says that he will turn the FBI on parents. He states here very clearly that he is protecting school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff. Of course, everyone should be protected always from violence or threats of violence. Who is he excluding? Parents. He is excluding parents because parents are the target now. The U.S. government has declared a war on parents. And let us just be very clear what is happening. Who is Merrick Garland? Everybody knows the controversy about how he didn't get the position at the Supreme Court. But there are other details that you should know. They include his family and who his family has married. He has a daughter. And his daughter has married, as you can see here, the co-founder 
of panorama education. What is panorama education? Panorama education is a data analytics company started in order to data mine the minds of children. It has now spread to school districts across the country. I have seen it in my own school district of Fairfax County, Virginia, where the school board has approved a contract that is numbering over $2 million. We have new data come in, which they have quietly signed another agreement, increasing the total from the initial amount. Panorama Education has gotten this caveat, where its officials are going to be treated as school board officials. Yes, you read that right. And here, let us see again, what is the relationship between this business that is receiving funds from school boards and the U.S. Attorney General that has now declared a war on parents? His daughter is married to the co-founder of Panorama Education. And who is an investor in Panorama Education? None other than Mark Zuckerberg, which profits off of the decisions of school boards. And school boards are under scrutiny right now for their decision to spend COVID money, other money on Trojan horses like Panorama Education. Merrick Garland has a conflict of interest, a serious conflict of interest, and he needs to back off of parents and issue a ceasefire on this war on parents. This is a serious conflict of interest that must be challenged. Very interesting. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, very interesting. Merrick Garland seems to be uh, married into critical race theory. I think that would probably be the easiest way to put it. Uh, and uh, good work to Azra Nomani. Great work, actually, uh, finding that out and exposing it. Now, a uh, picture there, of course, is uh, Merrick Garland and his daughter, Rebecca. Okay, and uh, as uh, Mrs. Nomani presented, she is married to this man, uh, this man here, that is Zan Tanner. That's right. X-A-N Tanner. Zan Tanner. I don't know many people or uh, cultures that spell their names with an X. I mean, I mean, you have Javier, I guess, X -A Xavier, but Zan Tanner. I don't think I need to do a biological, 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 or a or a um, what do you, an ancestry chart to kind of figure out where this guy might uh, originate from, right? Uh, but yes, uh, Zan Tanner and uh, Merrick Garland's daughter, little Rebecca. Tied the knot back in 2018. That's Attorney General Merrick Garland's daughter marrying Zan Tanner in 2018. Again, he is the co-founder, as uh, Mrs. Nomani pointed out, of Panorama Education. There's Panorama Education. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. How thick and deep these ties go. 
Now, um, Panorama Education, as uh, Mrs. Nomani pointed out, uh, started off as an educational data mining company, uh, but it definitely still promotes the tenets of critical race theory. Panorama produces data mining surveys for schools, including equity and inclusion surveys, and conducts professional development training in the areas of equity and inclusion for teachers and administrators. In regards to its surveys, Panorama says that the Panorama Equity and Inclusion Survey provides schools and districts with a clear picture of how students, teachers, and staff are thinking and feeling about diversity and inclusion in schools. The survey can help schools and districts track the progress of equity initiatives through the lens of students and staff, identify areas for celebration and improvement, inform professional development and signal the importance of equity and inclusion to the community, any middle or high school community that values diversity, equity, and inclusivity can use this survey. The student questions are designed to develop appropriate, uh, to developmentally appropriate for grades uh, six through 12, six through 12. That's Panorama. Now uh, this Yahoo right here, uh, pictured on the screen for those of you over in podcast land is Aaron Fuhrer, right? How could they, how could it be any more perfect? Aaron Fuhrer. Okay. Now in 2020, uh, co-founder Aaron Fuhrer, he is the CEO of Panorama Education, wrote in a blog post that uh, was titled Our Stand Against Systemic Racism. So Aaron Fuhrer, if you had any uh, question about uh, where he is on this matter, he writes, we are angered and heartbroken by the murder of George Floyd last week. Yet another act of violence against a black person in America and yet another consequence of this long history of systemic racism in America. This must change as millions of people across the country stand up to protest this system of racism and oppression. We stand with them. We say decisively, black people matter, black students matter, black educators matter, black teammates matter, black lives matter. <laughs> Felt a little dirty saying those words, guys. <laughs> Felt a little dirty saying those words. I mean, they matter, obviously, for context, anyone who's out there that might sound like that, but... <laughs> Ooh, Mr. C, host of the C Report, said he felt dirty saying Black Lives Matter. Thank goodness we're small potatoes here at the C Report. Now, uh, Zuckerberg, according to uh, what Mrs. Nomadi had shared with us, as well as uh, this uh, press release that was released on September 2nd, shows that uh, Panorama raised $60 million in a Series C round of funding led by General Atlantic and... Uh, one of the biggest contributors, ladies and gentlemen, to this effort by Panorama Education does come from none other than um, uh, money given to um, uh, the company by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, which is a group formed by none other than Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, Chan. <laughs> Sorry, Elizabeth Chan. I don't know her first name. Francis Chan. Zan Chan? I don't know. Her, her last name's Chan. That's all I know. Okay. Um, the um, uh, press release stated Panorama declined to reveal at what valuation the Series C was raised, 
nor did it provide any specific financial growth metrics. CEO and co-founder Aaron Fuhrer did say the company now serves 13 million students in 23,000 schools across the United States, which means that 25% of American students are enrolled in a district served by Panorama today. That is uh, 25% of American students receiving critical race theory and other inclusive educational parentheses, materials, over 50 of the largest 100 school districts and state agencies in the country use its uh, use Panorama's platform. In total, more than 1,500 school districts are among its customers. Clients include the New York City Department of Education, Clark County School District in Nevada, Dallas Independent School District in Texas, and the Hawaii Department of Education. Go figure, right? That figures. So uh, that's kind of a that's kind of a spread of what Panorama uh, is involved in. Uh, keeping in mind, again, ladies and gentlemen, A.G. Merrick Garland's son-in-law is one of the co-founders of Panorama. So as you can see, A.G. Merrick Garland is indeed married into critical race theory, because after all, if they don't sell critical race theory, his son-in-law does not take home that fat paycheck. Oh, the incestuousness of this industrial complex of things, right, ladies and gentlemen? Does it not figure that our current attorney general, our current head of the Justice Department, who wants the FBI to keep an eye on and handle parents concerned with what their children are being taught, parents concerned with the abuse they are receiving from school boards across the nation, A.G. Merrick Garland would in fact have a moneyed interest in critical race theory. Insane! And uh, how he can get away with this at this point, there's no way. There is no way, ladies and gentlemen. No way. Will he? We'll see. CEO and co-founder Aaron Fuhrer did say the company now serves 13 million students. They've got quite a reach. They've got quite a reach. But uh, hopefully this will light the fires or at least serve as some sort of ammunition for... Um, for parents around the world and uh, around the world, I say around America, sorry, we tend to think uh, largely of the United States of America here. I would say right now is a good time to contact your elected officials <laughs> and let them know, you know, and that uh, perhaps uh, Garland will not get away with this. Uh, he needs, he's beyond the point of recusal in this regard, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that's going to take us to our last story for today. Oh, oh, I was going to share a little bit more about uh, Asra Nomani, actually, is what I was going to do before we get into our last story. Let me, uh, let's, let's play a clip from her. I want to show you guys her in action. Uh, this is a story. She's with Fox and Friends talking about um, um, her efforts and um, General, um, Attorney General Merrick Garland. We can, we can pass on that one, but I'll show you this one. Uh, this one is one from her addressing um, the school board in Fairfax County, Virginia, speaking truth to power. Let's uh, check that one out, and then we'll get into our final story for the afternoon. Here we go. It has expired. Yes, you Your time want has expired. Next speaker. Continue to Next shut us down. Next speaker. Because that's what you love. Please go to your seat. 
name's Asra Namani. I came before you in June 2020. I spoke to you during quarantine. I pled with you at that time because I said to you that we had activists from Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology, where my son is a senior, and that they had just just baited the idea of an Occupy TJ movement. I sent a note to every single one of you and I got not a single response. There was no concern about our students at that time. And then the summer proceeded and the principal at our high school told us that our mostly minority students and parents had to check their privileges. And then as the summer continued, Dr. Brabrand, you decided that our students and our families were spending thousands and thousands of dollars on test prep. And then you, Melanie Marin, told us that we were toxic. And then Karen Keyes Gamara promoted the idea that we were racist. And then by the fall, every single one of you voted to remove the merit-based race-blind admissions test to TJ. And we pled with you as Asians, as an immigrant. I came at the age of four, I knew no English, and you didn't listen to us. And now I sit here listening to this empty proclamations and declarations that you're making about your great value of Asian Americans. You tell us about you going Melanie Marin to Japanese restaurant. Well, do you know that just a few weeks ago in social emotional learning at TJ, our students were told that if they do salsa dancing, it amounts to cultural appropriation and that they needed to check their racism. And that is our mostly minority, mostly Asian students. And so your empty proclamations are just that. And then today we get this vacuous survey from you, Dr. Brabrand, and you dare to tell us that you're gonna consider removing the one policy that parents have to defend their students from indoctrination and activism, the policy that makes certain that anything taught in our school that is controversial must be presented fairly. You have to just think for yourself, if you have to remove a policy like that, how can you possibly be doing anything good? And then this survey, it's just a loaded survey. And who is it by? Indeed, New York Leadership Academy. And what has that survey done? They've asked us the questions for the Thank contract you for your time. that you have now signed. Thank you for your time. That will allow Thank them you to for spend your time. Of your dollars. time is up, ma'am. You all Your time is up, ma'am. Your time has expired. Yes, you your always time want has expired. To shut us down. Next speaker. Continue to Next shut us down. Next speaker. Because that's what you love. Please go to your seat. I guess those uh, those are probably her kids. <laughs> I was like, I'll just let it play. Well, well, there you go. So she's been active about it. This uh, video's earliest, uh, May 7th, could be earlier that this came out, but she's been, you saw how empty that school board meeting was also that she was at. And there you go with the disrespect that these people seem to think that they can handle the parents. No, I say you serve us. I mean, that's right, isn't it?
Okay, so to our last story for this afternoon, I apologize. We will go 30 minutes, no more than that. We'll, we'll be wrapped up by four because still got to, you know, hop on to tonight's report for 7.30 p.m. We'll be back. For those of you who are confused, just trying out different things, you know, and uh, seeing where we're going to go from there, you know, coming up with new strategies, etc., all that good stuff. But uh, been pretty successful, I think, uh, these past two afternoons. We'll see. We'll see what's up. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the CIA and the deep state, of course, because as you know, with uh, everything that's going on with the FBI, you know, uh, and uh, DOJ, crooked, crooked as ever, we know for a fact, however, that the CIA has always been right up in that uh, in that crevice. Now, in my personal opinion, from when things uh, started to um, become obvious to me, and uh, you know, I was awake. Uh, I would, I would not, I would not qualify the CIA as a genuine United States of America agency at whatever capacity it is that they claim to be at. And uh, of course, in this, uh, in this department, it is intelligence, right? What does intelligence really mean, ladies and gentlemen? It's been my opinion since I figured out how to, you know, uh, wind my watch and scratch my butt that the CIA is, um, this is the deep state working within the United States. I would say they are hardline deep state. I would say all of their missions and all of their reason for existence is that representation. And uh, that's, that is just their, what, uh, kinetic, physical, um, um, arm, um, like arm, arm, armed, portion of the uh in real life in our agency in our face working for the deep state that's where i put the cia that's my opinion so no one has to take that to heart with the grain of salt they say uh but uh well we do have here actually uh there was an interview um between uh, joe hoft of the gateway pundit as well as uh kelly brazil and uh, a man by the name of Larry Johnson. So I thought I'd share that with you the, uh, this afternoon before we uh, call it a bit adieu for the afternoon session here at the Sea Report. Now, uh, this um, interview came out on Talk 93.3 out of St. Louis, Missouri. Now, in it, uh, Larry, who is apparently a, a former CIA official, he uh, talks about the beginnings of Obama's deep state. And also um, the actions that were being taken against then candidate President Donald Trump. So uh, this this uh, this interview, this information leak, I think will be very interesting to listen to, considering everything that's going on now with uh, the Durham investigation into spying on President Trump and trying to bring down a duly elected official, president even. Um, it also talks about uh, Obama's ethics czar, Norm Eisen, and uh, the discussion about his efforts and the CIA efforts methods used against President Trump during the 2016 election through the 2020 election. So uh, here's a piece of that interview. I think uh, you guys will be, oh, there's Larry Johnson, by the way. Oh, there's Larry Johnson. And uh, let's check out that interview now. I think it'll make for some interesting listening. Okay, here we go, guys. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Larry, can you play guitar? Uh, no, I'm a... 
piano guy. Oh, really? Oh, awesome. Very good. Well, hey, I'm going to tee you up here with something um, uh, for this uh, final segment. Um, there were some rumors that came out before the election back in September. We reported this at the, at the Gateway Pundit, and this was up on Tucker Carlson, too. Uh, this guy came out and said, hey, it looks like this individual by the name of Norm Eisen, who was Obama's ethics czar. I say that in quotation marks, which is just appropriate. This guy was anything but ethical, you know, which is why he was Obama's ethics czar. And he um, he apparently was behind every single or had a, had a platform of how to attack Trump his entire presidency. Mm. And and many of these various uh um, I guess attacks through the Supreme Court or attacks through various other methods. Norm Eisen, Eisen was maybe had a, had a part in it. So, anyways, there was this rumor that Eisen was utilizing basically CIA techniques to overthrow the U.S. government. They were going to use it in this election. That, and then we started seeing big tech say, "Hey, we're not going to allow anybody to call the election on election night." And then on election night, we see Biden's team saying. By no means is Donald Trump going to be declared uh, the winner on election night. And then uh, we saw all this crazy stuff with ballots just dropped in the middle of the night. And uh, then when it, the, the thing was, after it was all done and Biden was inaugurated, this big article comes out at Time magazine. And the first person, and it's all about the election and basically how they stole it. But they're, 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 they, they've got it twisted like how they won, not how they stole it. And then the first person that they mention in this article is uh, none other than Norm Eisen. He's their first co mm -hmm. contact. And I was like, my God, now they're bragging about what they've done. And they bring in the king there, uh, the first guy to be uh, this former Obama ethics czar, Norm Eisen. And, and he's one of their first quotations. And they went through the scenario of what happened and how, how, they, uh, how they basically, in my opinion, stole the election. So utilizing CIA technique against the United States, what do you, what do you think of that? Well, I, I think we really need to go back to the summer of uh, 2015 because this, this effort to go after Trump evolved. Uh, it didn't, it didn't start out from the beginning with a well-formed coordinated plan. Um, in the summer of 2015, the, Central Intelligence Agency was co helping collect information and working with foreign governments, uh, particularly the Brits and MI6, to dig up dirt on not just Trump, all, pres all Republican presidential candidates and Bernie Sanders. They were, they were working on behalf <clears throat> of Hillary Clinton. And, uh, that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, we know that not only was the CIA involved, but information from the National Security Agency was involved uh, because George Stephanopoulos, uh, George Papadopoulos, not Stephanopoulos, Papadopoulos, who was in London at the time in August of 2015, was communicating via text message and phone message with Corey Lewandowski who was the head of Trump's campaign at the time. That is how he became targeted, that those communications were intercepted. You've got to, you always have to think back logically that, you know, people that work with the CIA and the intelligence community, they don't have magic powers. This is, we're talking very sort of mundane 
uh, things. They, they intercepted conversations, which is how they knew that he was somebody that needed to be paid attention to, to be targeted as somebody who could be used. And uh, lo and behold, this institute that ends up hiring uh, Papadopoulos had ties to MI6. It was a front organization, and it had worked closely with uh, the senior people from the Central Intelligence Agency. So as the primary is going on, and it becomes increasingly clear by late, you know, say, December of 2015, that Donald Trump is going to become the nominee, that then the focus, they focus on Trump and developing say, okay, how do we take out Trump? And it was in the aftermath of December, January, uh, December 2015, January 2016, that this d decision to go after Trump as a tool of the Russians developed. There was an early email that was uh, uh, hacked from uh, John Podesta in which he was discussing this very scenario of going after Trump as, you know, sort of, Putin's butt boy uh, in December of 2015. So that's where it started. And then uh, th these ways to entrap Trump as they further identified the individuals in his sphere, like Carter Page. Well, the CIA knew that Carter Page uh, was dealing with the Russians because he was dealing with the Russians at the CIA's behest. And yet they were able, to, that information was, they were able to use it not just the CIA, the FBI gets involved with this. So what we saw was our, the law enforcement and intelligence assets of the U.S. government, instead of serving the purpose of, you know, serving to protect the interests of the American people, were turned and used in the most abhorrent partisan ways mm. to attack a particular presidential candidate to try to discredit him. And despite all their efforts, they initially failed in 2016, but that means they didn't stop. They continued the effort to, to try to uh, destroy Trump, and they realized the only way they could do it is they had to steal the election. Yeah. Larry, thanks so much for being with us. Really, really uh, just admire all your knowledge and, and uh, straightforward with us. Have a great day. We, we really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back. Real Talk 93.3. Okay, sorry guys, I was just jamming out to uh, the cure there at the end of that uh, at the end of that interview. Very interesting information, right? So, I mean, th again, these are things that we, um, you know, in in this in a community that is awake and has uh, been paying attention to all of what's been going on and what's been uh, pushed under the rug and uh, what's been not paid attention to knew pretty much already all of what uh you know um former official agent cia man uh, larry johnson had to say but um with the durham investigation coming out as it is and i'll just say this and we'll leave it there uh and um the question about the agencies involved uh, already the fbi and the cia are both um alluded to in the indictment against michael sussman uh, that was a speaking indictment as it was uh, considered with all of the information that it held in its 27 pages. Uh, interesting to note that um, CIA already knew about Carter Page. 
They already knew about Carter Page. They uh, were asking him to work with the Russians. Of course, uh, Carter Page is um, the one who had what uh, had the the questions changed on that uh, FOIA request form that was uh, signed by that uh, Kleinsmith dude who got off with um, probation for lying on federal uh, federal warrant application for an information request. CIA already knew. So uh, as long as this interview is now out in the public, as long as people are paying attention, timing, 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 right? Uh, that might uh, that might prove to be helpful to the investigation that is currently ongoing and seeing a little bit more light of day as uh, we move forward in this October of 2021. Now, to wrap up a little bit of this talk about the CIA, since after all, you know, uh, CIA is deep state. That's how I view them. That is 100% how I view them. My question has been since the entire Afghanistan debacle, the failure, uh, the embarrassment of this nation is what the heck was the CIA doing talking with the Taliban the Monday before the deadline date of August, uh, was it 31st? Now, uh, uh, some people were, some people were hip to this information. Some people missed it entirely. Uh, but why was uh, one of the directors of the CIA visiting and having talks with the Taliban prior to the deadline of August 31st? Uh, that deadline, which, of course, saw um, hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans and those who helped America while in Afghanistan left and abandoned in the now Taliban-controlled Afghanistan country. Um and nobody has asked that question either. We had the uh, committee hearing with, uh, you know, General Lloyd Darth Austin, as well as, uh, you know, woke Victoria Milley. And no one there asked that question. Uh, what did the CIA ask? What did they talk about with the Taliban? What was negotiated? Were there negotiations? Were promises made? Were promises kept? Why the heck did we have the CIA meeting with the Taliban? And the person who did that would have been this one. This is CIA Director William Burns. No, that's not uh, Maximilian Burns. That is William Burns, current CIA Director, meeting with the Taliban. If you don't believe me, come on, TV. There we go. We got this article here out of the New York Post, just as a quick summation uh, CIA Director William Burns reportedly held secret meeting with Taliban leader. And this is uh, dated uh, August 24th, 2021. CIA Director Burns, it says, reportedly held a secret meeting in Afghanistan Monday with Taliban's de facto leader, Abdul Ghani Berader, the highest level diplomatic encounter since the militant group toppled the government in Kabul. President-elect Biden sent the top U.S. spy to meet Berater in Kabul on Monday as the administration continues efforts to evacuate American citizens and allies amid chaos at the airport in the fallen capital. The CIA declined to comment on the meeting, but discussions between Burns, one of Biden's most experienced diplomat, and Berater likely involved the August 31st deadline for the U.S. military to conclude what the president has called 
one of the largest, most difficult airlifts in history. A CIA rep also would not confirm the meeting to Agence France Press, saying the agency never discusses the director's travels. Thousands of Afghans terrified by the return of militants are still desperately trying to enter Kabul airport. So that was a timeline on that, that you had this going on. And uh, again, no one knows what they talked about. No one knows what they talked about. Um, and that, uh, again, being one of the more important points. There we go. There's Burns and Berater. Good old buddies. I'm sure. I don't know. If memory and history serve, uh, CIA funded Taliban back in the 70s. Taliban, again, being a, what do we call it? Political party, not the name of a terrorist group. But I guess, you know, if you can call conservatives and Republicans domestic terrorists, and they're a political party, you can definitely call the Taliban terrorists and they're a political party. Now, I'm not excluding any of their previous acts of terrorism, obviously. Um, here we have a CNN article. Uh, CIA Director William J. Burns met face-to-face -face with the top Taliban leaders in Kabul on Monday. Now, I'm reading, I'm reading the enemy's papers, the Communist News Network, because uh, sometimes they drop some clues in here about what the heck's really going on. Uh, it says here, uh, the covert meeting first reported Tuesday by the Washington Compost between Burns and Taliban co-founder and deputy leader Abdul Ghani Berater amounts to the highest level direct exchange of views since the militant group took control. Uh, the meeting underscores the view inside the administration that they need a clear understanding of where the Taliban stands on several issues as the clock ticks towards the August 31st deadline. So they sent him the, e the CIA to figure out where the Taliban stands. They need a clear understanding of where they are on several issues. That reads to me like, uh, so Taliban, are you uh, going to do what we want? CIA and administration, uh, are, are you still down with these Doha agreements? Uh, what do you want? CIA is going in there to negotiate for uh, Biden, kind of what it sounds like to me. And then, of course, if you think of the way everything went afterwards, after the meeting, if you think about the timeline of events and occurrences, what if you were to frame everything that's happened since then with uh, an agreement with the CIA? We don't know because no one's asked the question. Um, and uh, let's see here. The U.S. official told CNN that the meeting occurred at President-select Joe Biden's direction, so Biden wanted the CIA to meet with them, and they did, which reflects the view inside the administration that Burns is the most seasoned, etc. Another official called the meeting an exchange of views on what, uh, what needs to happen to be done. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, way of putting it. Taliban spokesperson Zab Bula Mujahideed, that's totally, Mujahid, said during a press conference in Kabul, the Taliban cannot confirm that Berater met with the CIA director, but they are meeting with all embassies in Kabul. The CIA declined to comment. And uh, let's see here. The U.S. has evacuated thousands. Okay, that's a recap of what's been going on there. So uh, quite interesting information, if you ask me, and I think questions that need to be asked, particularly if you want to figure out what the heck happened um, and what was going on. Very interesting indeed. 
Okay. So, well, there you have that, ladies and gentlemen. Now, since that time, uh, Burns, the CIA director, has, again, traveled to the Middle East. That was in August. We see here in September. In September, we had CIA director Burns. Uh, looks like he was over in New Delhi, India. Okay. And he went to visit Islamabad while he was there. Islamabad being a thing or a place, not a person, I'm sure you guys understand. Now, uh, CIA Director Burns arrived in Islamabad from New Delhi, according to the Pakistan Army Chief and ISI Supremo. I guess that's what they call him, Supremo. Now, uh, CIA Director Burns arrived in Islamabad on Thursday. This is from a September 9th article. Um, and uh, he's having a conversation pictured here with Pakistan's Army Chief General Kamar Javed Bajwa. He also talked with the Director of Intelligence Agency, ISI, Lieutenant Jen Faiz Hamid. ISI sounds pretty close to ISIS and to ISIL. Director of uh, Islamic Intelligence. And uh, there are two things that were worth, worth noting from this. Uh, first, Burns did not meet Imran's close aide and Pakistan's NSA, Moeed Youssef. And second, Burns was in New Delhi on Wednesday on a secret visit. From, um, from here, he went straight to Islamabad. During the visit to India, Burns had a long conversation with the NSA, Ajit Doval. Now, uh, that happened on Wednesday. He went to India. This article about that says the NSA of Russia was also in Delhi. Photos of the meeting between Doval and the Russian NSA surfaced, but Burns' visit was an attempt to be kept secret. When Burns arrived in Pakistan on Thursday, the media wing of the Pakistan army itself shared the information through a statement. It said the CIA director talked to Bajwa and Hamid about the restoration of peace in Afghanistan and the new government. During this, the role of Pakistan was appre appreciated. Serious questions are being raised about Pakistan's role in Afghanistan in many countries, including the U.S. and the United Kingdom. Protests against Pakistan have been going on in London, Washington and Kabul for several days. According to Pakistan's newspaper Express Tribune, the CIA director had suddenly reached Kabul a few days ago and had a secret meeting with the Taliban's number two leader, Mullah Abdul Ghani Berader. This was the first visit by a top U.S. official to Kabul since the uh, overthrow, apparently. And for two months, it's been seeing that the American administration and intelligence officers are contracting or contacting Pakistan's armies and ISI only. Recently, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Secretary of State Antony Blinken also spoke to Bajwa and Hamid over the phone. Did they ask them about this during that committee hearing by any chance? I wonder. I don't think they did. We saw it, guys. Pakistan's NSA was also not included in this. America is not even talking to any minister in the Imran Khan government. The main reason for this is that the army and ISI run the government behind the scenes in Pakistan. Illegitimate Joe Biden has talked to most of the world's leaders on the phone, but he is not called Imran Khan. So does it seem like we got dueling dual governments over in Pakistan? Kind of sounds like it. But I think people should really be asking the question of CIA Director Burns, what the heck did you talk about with the Taliban? 
And uh, what uh, did uh, President-elect Biden or his administration or his handlers or his puppet masters direct you to uh, accomplish in those talks? Good question to have, ladies and gentlemen, about our branch of the deep state, otherwise known as the CIA and their functions at this time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this afternoon's edition of The C Report. I hope you guys enjoyed yourself and that this information was at least a bit insightful. <laughs> DJ Ping, hey, hanging out over there in uh, Twitch. Also, X C hanging out over there too. And YouTube, thank you for tuning in. And to everyone over at the um, uh, foxhole.app and uh, pill.net, to DJ Ping over there says the, the, the $1 question is... Is Mr. CTV having his barbecue? Unfortunately, no. I'd love to have my barbecue and eat it too, but not today. Woo, speaking of which, might want to get to dinner so I can finish up on tonight's report. We'll be back at 7.30 p.m. Central Time um, at the C Report. We'll be live, of course, over at uh, the foxhole.app, pill.net, twitch.tv, and uh, the 7.30 show will probably be live at Clout Hub. We were doing it over at YouTube today, trying not to say Charlie Victor Diecinueve or anything else in that uh, implication so we can get this uh, episode, which I think was pretty useful, um, to remain on their platform for the time being. Uh, let's see, uh, pilled.net, the foxhole.app family. You guys, we'll hopefully see you all later at 7.30 p.m., uh, Curious Cat, Texas Gal, The Speak Uneasy, Just V, 123SKG, Sean Joe, The Texan, and uh, other friends. Tombstone, thank you all for popping in, and thank you for your gold pill donations. Um, and also, as always, before I go, make sure you check us out over at thecreport.com. That's right, thecreport.com, updating and uh, trying to get more stuff over on that site, as well as our podcast site, anchor.fm slash the C report. You support the C report when you listen to our podcast and you can find us on any of the major podcast platforms. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, y'all enjoy your dinner. We'll see you at 7.30 PM central time. And as always, uh, be safe, be blessed and God bless America. We'll see you soon. <laughs>